One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you chiching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, thirty six percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Get a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/work. Shopify.com/work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus. dot com slash acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. Center of the Galaxy, this is the Force Center Podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsok for another edition of the big show, the main show, the chief chirp of our tribe. This is Force Center. Whew. We're getting set for solo today, and we can't do that without Joseph Scrimshaw and Jennifer Lenda. Happy to be a part of Chief Chirpa. <laughs> I like it when you say the main show is 
a single entity. <laughs> and it's, we have a Voltron Ewok in my mind. I want to be the legs. Chief Chirpa was just a, uh, he was a collection of other Ewoks standing on end, you know? Yeah, exactly. The <laughs> Ewoks in a trench coat. <laughs> Baby Ewoks in a trench coat. Oh, Chief Chirpa. Goodness. Chief Chirpa. I'm telling you, I want that Chirpa comic. On a five-part oh. Rise of Chirpa comic. Oh, sure. Yeah, it was absolute savage Ewok battle for him yeah. to, you know, get the mantle, right? People want Game of Thrones, Star Wars, Dan and Dave doing old, just get the Rise of Chirpa. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The backstabbing. Yeah. Low Gray was just, like, whispering in ears. Chirpa's a Targaryen, right? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, Joseph, Jennifer, we are here getting set for Solo, a Star Wars story out in theaters. Wow, this Memorial Day weekend. I can't believe we're already here. We're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about news. We're going to be diving into the characters of Han Solo and Chewbacca. But before we do, I do want to remind you today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash force center over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. We'll be doing our force center recommends, which audiobook should you be listening to a little bit later in the show. Now, before we dive into it, we always like to catch up. I know, Joseph, you've been busy writing. Yeah. Have you had time to enjoy Star Wars? Oh, a <laughs> little bit, yes. I've had such a weird relationship uh, uh, with Star Wars the, the last week and a half mm. or so since the big premiere. Yeah. It was great that you, you went uh, and so did many other Star Wars pundits. Yeah. But this has been, like to me, this brave new world of two weeks out from the general opening to have the premiere. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about this on Star Wars Council this week, mm. but just... The uh, the forming of battle lines mm. <laughs> before the world, the general public has seen yeah. the movie. It's always a weird period before the the movies yeah. uh, when a lot of information starts to trickle out. But this was a weird time where you know you have to train yourself. Like I I look at anything that says Star Wars or Solo because I love it, and I just had to straight up mute some people I like. Yeah, because I hope you, you know mu- muted me and I didn't say much. You didn't say a thing. I'm not going to mute your Seven Eleven Taquito uh, tweets, uh, but you know, just like some some people like in in comments, they yeah. they think they're being pretty sly, but not quite sly enough for me. Yeah. So this, it's always a weird push pull relationship with Star Wars, but I've have been having a lot of fun Battlefront too. That's great. Dig That's where in. my Star Wars joy has gone. Digging other Star Wars fans. And they opened up Jabba's Palace, right? You've mm. been doing that. Yeah, they opened up a bunch of stuff uh, for Solo, including Jabba's Palace, which I think is from the original Battlefront. But it has been a ton of fun. One of my favorite things was um, the characters, you know, when you're playing heroes versus villains, they say things when you get close to another mm. character that has a relationship. And even if they don't have a relationship, and then my favorite one I heard is somebody else was playing uh, Chewie, and I think I was playing Palpatine, and when we got kind of close to each other, yeah. Yeah. Palpatine said, Skywalker's Wookiee is near. Whoa! <laughs> See, I'm it's like desperate to create these relationships that don't exist in <laughs> the movie. Awesome. It's like fantasy casting. Of, uh, yeah, I, as much as I love Battlefront 2, I, I really only play the solo stuff, the campaign, and the, the galactic battleguards. I don't do heroes and villains, but some of the stuff you've told me... It's so fun. I miss it out. Yeah, yeah, because it's just, it's, you know, a lot more lightsabers and you, we're using your big, weird powers and yeah. you know you get to know the, the actual main characters better mm. that's great stuff i'm I actually really i'm gonna put down Fortnite, which i've got addicted <laughs> to uh, 
and, and do some Battlefront Two her- heroes and villains. Speaking of heroes, yeah, Jennifer Landa, yeah, you're a hero with all your Star Wars work you've been doing lately. Oh, thank you, thank you. I was going to talk about the royal wedding. That's what. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> that was fun too. Yeah. <laughs> that oh my gosh, you guys, we were just talking off air about Janina Gavankar mm-hmm. and her amazing orange dress, looking like a Star Wars star. <laughs> she looks. She took over Canto Bite. Yeah. yeah. Did oh. you recognize her immediately? Oh yeah. I see. I thought I did, and then I shamed myself because I saw her and I was like, "I didn't versio." And then it was one of those moments of like, "You can't see Star Wars everywhere." It was like because I thought I just <laughs> saw Iden versio because I had Star Wars on the brain, and it's like, "Oh no, that is actually that's, that's Iden versio." That's yeah. her, and I follow her on Twitter, and so I'd actually seen her trying on dresses right. over the week. So I was invested. Oh. What outfit is she going to choose? And then when I saw the outfit that she chose, ah, mwah, chef kiss. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's fun. I, I follow her too. And I'm, I'm sure you probably do too, Joseph. I just, if I don't, I'll correct yeah. that oversight. I, I just, I guess I don't check into Twitter as much as I go on, I, I say a stupid joke or promo thing, and I just kind of go play Fortnite. Um, <laughs> so I didn't see her prep, which I guess had, there's a bit of a story to it. Like yes. no one would, she couldn't find a designer or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I saw one meme from Pretty Woman, the big mistake, huge, big mistake, that that scene. Because um, she goes and just kills it. Mm-hmm. And I had the same reaction as Joseph. I, someone, I was Someone tweeted the picture and was like, hey, uh, Star Wars and Robot. And I was like, "There's what, why would she? And I was like, oh, she." She's She'd be friends, friends with Megan Markle. Yeah, yes. they've been friends for a long, long time, time, going back in the day. So, yeah, hopefully this leads to our Iden live action TV show. Let's hope so. But yeah. uh, you're uh, you're you done making Lando costumes, Jen? Oh my gosh! <laughs> How many more can I make? I actually came up with another version of it. Uh, yes, I yeah, I did a little spin on my uh, Lando Calrissian costume for Solo: A Star Wars Story, and uh, yeah, it's up on my Twitter and Facebook page. Yeah, it looks great. Are you going to be Lando at any of the showings of Solo? I think Thursday night, yeah, I'll be Lando. Not too much, because Mm -hmm. I remember one one time I did dress up like full force, and I did notice that I was the only one kind of in costume <laughs> at my local theater. Felt a little weird. <laughs> Understandably so. Yeah. As someone who danced in a train station to Star Wars, I think you can, I think you can be okay. I think right. you can hold your own. Uh, yeah. Dressed yeah. up as Lando. Well, that is, uh, that's it for the show. No, bye. Um, let's go see Solo. Let's dive into <laughs> Star Wars news as we like to do every week. Our chance to get together as a team and talk about all the headlines making waves in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Well, Inside the Magic did a fantastic interview with solo screenwriters Lawrence and John Kasdan. They talked about how they determined what to keep from Han's storyline in the expanded universe. Basically, if it's mentioned in any of the seven films, it's a hard and fast rule. But between the Clone Wars series and Rebels and the books and the comics, they said it's impossible to think of every reference as canon. So it made it kind of trickier to connect every thread, which is why they relied on Pablo Hidalgo of the story group. Um, Let's see. When asked why we need a Han Solo origin story, John Kasdan said... We don't. <laughs> and Lawrence said <laughs> he is mystified by that question because you can say that about any movie ever made. I love this point because I don't understand this new argument of, well, we never asked for our solo film. Since when have fans, like you said, I want this and you guys are going to make it? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Movies aren't really like a deli. Like, I mean, I, I think I, I think there's been so much uh, talk about audience drive things and, mm. and uh, studios finally hearing audiences uh, when it comes to things like diversity mm-hmm. and seeing that in Wonder Woman and Black Panther and uh, Hidden Figures and lots of other movies' success. 
that maybe there is a confusion between a long simmering uh, cultural desire to see something on screen versus fans basically, you know, voting mm. on online by tweeting. Right. That, that, which those, I do think is, is different. To yeah. have a simmering cultural need, desire, is different than voting for your favorite Star Wars movie. That's a great way to say it. You, you were always so eloquent in how you, how you address it. Yes, there's a dividing line, but one has been a powerful tool to get some important things done, and the other one's been this really annoying. But I, but actually, yeah, mm-hmm. um, and it is different, and it is different. And and hey, if 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 we have to take one to to get to the other, uh, that's fine, uh, you know. Like, yeah. But uh, I think that's that's my answer too. What he said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what he said. Yeah, and it, I I don't think it's anything to disparage fans' desires or fans no. being heard by Lucasfilm. But like, this is not how the industry works. You know what? They could go. They could do like black series figures, and you know, yeah. Kathleen Kennedy could come out and go. You know what? Twenty twenty four. We're doing a solo, not a solo movie, a standalone movie. Yeah, vote. Right. Mm. What do you like? That would be fascinating. Oh would that be gosh. damaging to creativity? Because you know, the <laughs> yeah. artists, like the cast ins, and I love that the grumpy runs strong in that family. <laughs> like, nope. Uh, wow. th- like I think a lot of, <laughs> I think a lot of uh, artists feel like, no, no, no. We we create, and then you respond. And if you hate it, that's fine. And then maybe money will respond, and the studios will say, you're never writing any- anything again. You're never directing anything yeah. again. Right. But it has to come from the creator. It can't come from committee, as I know the way a lot of creators feel. Right. And look, let's be like it's it's an easy kind of like answer, I guess. But back in '73, when he sat down to write this, no one was asking for an updated version of a no. Flash Gordon serial. In fact, people were saying, "We do not want this. <laughs> yeah. Get right. out of when our office. Over. Right. Go make a real movie, George yeah. Lucas." And I don't want to go to that like cross your arms, like well, consider. But but Lawrence is kind of right. Like outside of maybe New Hope, we didn't ask for any of these. Yeah, yeah. Just let them go. I understand the theory. I don't want to jump on uh, you know people who might ask that question. I get it. Do we need this solo? There's other stories to tell in the galaxy. That's a understandable question. Yeah. But mm-hmm. just just maybe let it unfold. I don't know, Jennifer. Are we wrong here? No, you know, and I kind of wonder if George was still, you know, this was his baby and mm-hmm. he was writing and directing these films. I do wonder if fans would kind of take that same approach or attitude. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're maybe because Disney is such a huge mega corporation that people do kind of feel like, oh, this is now like uh, something that we can ask for. <laughs> We're going to get like like you're saying, like a like a have it your way. Burger King. <laughs> you, you've touched on something that I, I don't want to dive in here, but in other areas where it's like, if you are a, a YouTuber in your room, people mm-hmm. ask maybe less of you than if you're a brand. Exactly. But understandably, because that brand might have a company with an HR. And, mm-hmm. a, and, and, and yeah. so I think it's a fair question to ask the brand, but sometimes even I get grumpy that the, the YouTuber in his room gets away with some stuff that it's like this balance. It's like a, it's like a rock band versus... A, a, a concert. I don't know. You know. You know and I think yeah, there's. I and it goes saying. to kind of what you were saying yeah. too, Joseph. Where there's these weird dividing lines that kind of get fuzzy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be really interesting uh, uh, when we finally see the film. As we're recording, Jennifer and I are, are going to go to a screening tonight. So Yay! finally, yes. the mysteries will be answered, and the oh. three of us can talk more openly. Yeah. But uh, you know, I can't wait to actually see the film to know if my instinct is right. That part of this is. You know, nobody when making this film was asking, why should we make this film? I right. think they were asking, why not? Mm-hmm. Han Solo's awesome. This right. will be fun. Right. right. Exactly. That's right. I just wrote the movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, th- this is an interesting story because while at Con or Cannes this year, Kathleen Kennedy spoke to the French publication Premier Magazine. They reported that Ms. Kennedy said, quote, 
We hmm. think that the next spinoff will be dedicated to Lando Calrissian. Of course, there are still many stories to tell about Han and Chewbacca, but Lando will be next, end quote. As fans started pumping their fists, Premier pumped the brakes and apologized <laughs> that there was a little misunderstanding between Kennedy and their reporter. Lucasfilm clarified that what Kathleen Kennedy actually meant was, quote, we would love to tell a story about Lando Calrissian one day, but it's not relevant. It would be fun to tell the story of Han and Chewie, end quote. Okay. Yeah. So we're obviously not oh. getting a Lando spinoff next. But did she basically confirm that we're kind of we're going to get a Han and Chewie sequel? I think they really want all of this, mm. including a Lando movie. Oh. I think they really want all of this. But also, they kind of want everything. Right? They're sitting in rooms going, "What works? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, for better or worse." Um, but yeah, it's also a testament to the wildfire-like spread of any morsel of news. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I like I, I slept through this. Like, I literally went to bed like a half an hour before the uh, initial thing broke, and then I woke up to, there is not going to be a Lando movie. Like, okay, what? Why is everybody so... Like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's all, both quotes are weird. Right? <laughs> yeah, cra- both quotes are kind of weird. I feel like, did they get the second one entirely right, too? I don't know, because it does seem kind of like... Dismissive. Dismissive. It's not relevant. Well, yeah. it's relevant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and that's a weird comment back on what we're talking about of need versus want. Yeah, you know, right. like, yeah, because people would love a Lando movie anyway. Yeah, right. I think they would. Yeah, it's, 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 we just have to wait for that Uncle Bob Iger call. That's mm-hmm. right. He'll clear it up. up. Yeah. I think this is another thing that just reminds me that, you know, we lose perspective because we've been talking about Star Wars for years and for Disney still, this is literally the first chess move, mm-hmm. right? They've got the new sequel. They've got Rogue One and Solo and they're, they're putting that move and they're waiting to see how the world responds. Right. Right. I mean, do you really think that at this point they have any like plans f- about a sequel or is it just kind of like, let's wait and see. Nothing is developed, no script, no whatever. And if it does well, hey, John Kazan, you get to write the next one. I, I, I think little column A, little column B. I, I think that's been the criticism of, of Lucasfilm, right or wrong from the outside, of there's no cork, cork board with strings and index cards of the future, but also they're considering any and everything, as yeah. they mm. should as a studio. I think it's, so I think it's both. I think it's yeah. both. Hmm. When, yeah. By the time Iron Man 2 was rolling out and the MCU was starting to you know get gas uh, uh, before the Avengers broke everything open, Guardians of the Galaxy was a possibility, right. but it wasn't like for sure. Um. It was we're generally building toward this area and what's going to help with that. Right. And introducing like the space side of MCU wasn't locked in until later, and just give yeah. them some time. It's my general attitude, and, and that's a great point. You are, you are so well versed in the Marvel universe, where where I get confused over which ones so and so. But yeah, correctly, everyone looks at the MCU and points and goes, "That's what we want with DC and Star Wars." Yeah. And look what Feige did, and it's it's changed the film industry. But go back to Iron Man two, which wasn't a great movie, or at least considered by many not to be a great movie. There's parts of it I like too, but um, they were still things were you know teetering sometimes. Yeah, you know? yeah. They and did they were good. Still <laughs> building towards how will this all come together? And I think Lucasfilm is like obviously they have all an options, right? Yeah. So yeah. when they signed him, they're like, who knows? Maybe. 
Right. Didn't wouldn't you? Felicity Jones had a two or three picture deal like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, right. Diego Luna, like that's what you do. That's what you do. <laughs> unless unless you're DC hiring uh, directors, apparently. <laughs> yeah. So going back to uh, Lawrence and John Kasdan, they have been making the press rounds, and they recently sat down with Huffington Post to talk about Solo. Some fans have noted that Han and Lando seem to have a bit of a flirtatious relationship in the trailers that we've seen. So the reporter asked the screenwriters. Is Lando pansexual? And John Kasdan sa- emphatically said, mm-hmm. I would say yes. Uh, let's see, here's a specific quote. Uh, quote, there's a fluidity to Donald and Billy Dee's portrayal of Lando's sexuality. I mean, I would have loved to have gotten a more explicitly LG- LGBT character into this movie. I think it's time, certainly, for that. And I love the fluidity, sort of the spectrum of sexuality that Donald appeals to and that droids are a part of. End quote. How do you guys feel about this revelation? And how do we feel that LGDP, LGBTQ storylines, like with Emmeline Holdo, uh, now Lando, seem to only happen off screen? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I, I like that uh, that John Kazan feels this way and that John Kazan would say this, but I agree with the general pushback, and it is even larger with Star Wars because it's happening with J.K. Rowling mm. and, uh, and Dumbledore mm-hmm. and Grindelwald of like, oh, yeah, trust us, they're gay. We're not going to let you see that. You know, there's something, they're anything other than straight. They're on a spectrum. But uh, <laughs> just yeah. let me, I'll tell you that on Twitter. Right. Yeah. Is not full representation. Right. Yeah. yeah and, and and this is from the mind of Kasdan. So you can tell that maybe he did pitch it up to, to Lucasfilm Disney. Maybe they mm. said, no, I don't, I don't know that whole story there too. It also, and I, it's like not surprising if you really stop and think of the character of Lando. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, uh, this is a guy who is in a, in a galaxy cut adrift and he loves a lot of things. And if you're, if, if he's having uh, sex with a Twi'lek, which is an alien species with like, why, why it does not surprising to me. Yeah. Right. Um, maybe because I'm such a fan of Oberyn Martell and game of Thrones and uh, th- it's a similar character to me. Yeah. So I'm not surprised at all, nor concerned, nor, nor should anyone. But if, if you are, okay, we'll work through it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll work through it. Yeah, the, the world's a changing, and, uh, yeah. and I think there's just going to be a lot more representation, and I think uh, it will be mm-hmm. uh, good in the long run for everyone, is my personal opinion. And, mm-hmm. and, they're, and, and if, yeah, the big screen is the, the, the big hurdle for, for a lot of franchises, but in the books, in the comics, Dr. Aphra, uh, oh, yeah, Sinjur right. and Condor, I mean... It's 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 there, so that's the first step, I suppose, to the big screen. Where yeah, a lot of non-binary, a passing yeah. reference of a, a in bloodline of a culture where there's like something like thirty-seven genders. Yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's yeah, it's really uh, there's a lot of fluidity. Yeah, in space, in space. Yeah, I mean, I give I give props to John Kasdan for saying yes or no because you know he could have dodged the question and been like, well, we don't know or blah blah blah. So yeah, the fact that he was emphatic, uh, yes, he is pansexual. I thought that was a great step. We just need to push it a little further, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think I think we will get that. I think we're going to get it very soon. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Um, okay. Get ready <laughs> for some deep dish pizza. Because Star Wars Celebration is heading to Chicago (laughs) in 2019. The five-day event begins on April 11th and runs until April 15th and will be held at McCormick Place, which is a huge convention center in Chi-Town. Tickets go on sale on June 5th, but people online have already been sharing that they booked their uh, hotel rooms. So be prepared for this event to sell out fast. 
well, I don't know about sellout, but their tickets are going to go fast. Oh, yeah. um, so my question is, yeah. are we going to the Windy City? <laughs> I don't, I mean, well, <laughs> are yeah. you guys going to the Windy City? Um, yeah, let's uh, let's get I mean, a Motel 6 halfway out of town. Let's yeah. get lots <laughs> right. of, uh, trust me, in April, lots of different clothing options. Oh, Certainly layers, uh, because it could be freezing. It could be beautiful. It's the Midwest. Yeah. Uh, oh. One does not know. you got to dress for Tatooine and Hoth, yeah. I think, in April in the Midwest. Uh, not from Chicago, and I know it's different because it's by the lake, so by the <gasps> you, big lake. You, uh, has some effects. you are more prepared than I, sir, <laughs> from the plains of Minnesota. Look, all right, look, let's speak plainly on this. People have been asking. Oh, hey, yeah. Yes. Center. Yes. We absolutely would love to go to Star Wars Celebration. We'd love to have a reason to go other yeah. than just showing up and celebrating with you guys for five days, by the way. The convention yes. is Sandy. five days. Five days. Um, that's, that is, that's like seven days in Vegas. Uh, <laughs> right now, I am, I am not attached to an outlet. Uh, you're not attached to an outlet, no. Jennifer. Uh, you're not attached either. No. That is wh- how it's sometimes a lot easier to go. Yep. Yeah. Uh, passes, rooms, panels, all that stuff. So Force Center is an independent entity. We will work towards it. And we will keep you guys updated. That's right. <laughs> we uh, we, we right. need a lot of Republic credit. That, I mean, that's yeah. insanely expensive. And I think the yeah. hotels yeah. are actually the biggest problem. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is yes. Because the, anything that's even remotely close will sell out immediately if it hasn't already. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just uh, us speaking plainly. So we, <laughs> we'd love to have some pizza with y'all. We, yeah. we are definitely, believe us, we want to be there. Yeah. Five days. Five days. Of deep dish pizza. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> I was I was mad at first. I'm like, ah, oh. and then I remembered, like, oh, this has to travel everywhere. Yeah. You know, we got the George Lucas Museum. Let me let me uh. You don't think I should travel? I've been told about. We had heard. I was planning for a trip south on the five freeway. Oh, oh you, you were planning yeah, for Anaheim. Right? Yes. But yeah. instead. And then a curveball, which is their want. There's probably this, that McCormick place is huge. Yeah. Uh, scheduling. Who knows? Yeah. I was a little surprised. It's <laughs> like, well, guess I'm not seeing grandma that week. Oh, <laughs> All right. Yeah. Instead, yeah. Chicago. Yeah. Uh, but hey, I don't need a, I don't, I don't need a passport. I can, I can go. That was my big worry. Well, I'll tell you what. It, Galaxy's Edge, I believe, is going to open in late May of yeah. 2019. So we'll go to that. That's yeah, going to be our and celebration. we'll get into the line in late June. <laughs> I'll see you guys outside the park waiting yeah. in line. I'm considering applying for a job as a cast member in Star Wars like, just to get there. Oh, you yeah. You should do it. <laughs> I'm not joking. Work. Yeah, okay. That's And that's yeah, it. You know. <laughs> that's it uh, That news. is the Star Wars news all across the galaxy as we race towards the general release for Solo, a Star Wars story. The news might actually drop off after that for a little bit and then gear yeah. up for episode nine, casting and production and leaks and resistance and live TV shows. Uh, We'll enjoy a little bit of a downward uh, lull in the news there. Uh, But as we like to do, we do like to recommend an audio book book to you for our friends who are on Audible. You can get that trial there at audibletrial.com slash force center. And today, Joseph, we are recommending Last Shot by Daniel Jose Older. Uh, I know we've recommended it before, but man, we wanted to recommend something that would just get you in the mood to go on adventures with Lando, Han, and Chewie. And I think the book, if nothing else, is really fast, really fun, really thoughtful. Absolutely, it is. It's like it's it's uh, the number one contender right now, and in, in, a, in a race, we're like you got to read this book to get set up. Now, people have asked 
should we? Is it like Catalyst, which was pretty essential to mm. the Rogue One viewing experience? Uh, I, I personally think it's a little less essential, but it's not going to hurt you. And it's going to okay. be funry. Nice, right? So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com/slash Force Center. Again, that's audibletrial.com/slash Force Center for your free audiobook and a thirty-day free trial of. Audio book of Audible, excuse me. All right, it's time for our main topic. We're going to look at two of the most beloved characters in all the Star Wars galaxy. And for me personally, I will say my favorite character in Star Wars, Han Solo. But let's not take away from Chewbacca. Let's get set for (laughs) Solo with a look at Han and Chewie. So we'll start up top, Joseph Jennifer, uh, with these characters, our overall feelings and, and earliest memories and reactions and and, you know, did you, were you pulled in by Han Solo? Some were pulled in by Luke, uh, uh, Princess Leia, Darth Vader. But what, what was the, the immediate pull and the earliest memories, Jennifer, for you of Han Solo and Chewbacca? For me, Chewie was everything. And I love I, I love the relationship between Han and Chewie, but I actually, it's not that I didn't care for Han, but I felt like he, when I was a child, I was like, he's mean. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't care for him. It was like Luke, Leia, and Chewie, and oh, that guy Han, you know. <laughs> really? Yeah, I was huh. just not drawn to him at all. Yeah. Even, even as I got a little bit older, mm. you know, watched A New Hope and, and Empire, I, I really didn't like him. I felt like he was just so sarcastic. Um, I don't know. Is I, I know that this is a very, very unique experience because I everyone loved Han. My, my husband loved Han as a kid. Uh, but I, yeah, I'm a little flummoxed. <laughs> yeah, but I like fascinating. This. I like this. You have made reference in the past to uh, your wild teenage years, yeah, uh, which right. I bring up because I'm fascinated by, and at some point we'll just devote an episode to just. Sorry, this has nothing to do with Star Wars. No, this is just Ken and Joseph asking Jennifer about her oh, wild no. teenage years. Oh, no. As you got into those wild teenage years, yeah. did you? Were you attracted to Han as a rogue? No. It wasn't mm. until I was in my, I think, my 20s that I was like, oh, oh, now oh. I get it. Okay. Now I understand the, stand the scoundrels, which led to some bad choices. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> bad choices. Han Solo's in real life, you know, they're not so, they're not so yeah. great. They're not, they don't make good boyfriends. Let's just yeah. put it that way. Luke Skywalker does, but Luke's stuck on an island all by himself. No, right. but, but, that's, but that is fascinating. You grew with this character. Your reactions grew and changed, but I, I, your initial reaction is interesting because there's, you know, look where Han ends up in The Force Awakens. He still ran away, and I'm sure we're going to talk about yeah. that. So mm-hmm. it's an interesting perspective there, Joseph. Yeah, for me, I always liked Han. I liked everyone uh, in Star Wars, but I have a really distinct and weird memory of uh, in, being quite young and playing that Escape from the Death Star game. Uh, board game by myself with my teddy bear and I spun for him <laughs> and he usually beat me which just kind of sucked because it was random uh, but I remember thinking about Han Solo in looking in the mirror and expecting to see a face like Han Solo because I think something had already yeah. seeped into me that he was the archetype of the man right? Mm. of you know daring and funny and roguish and desirable and I remember just being disappointed like ah I'm not that guy I can't be that guy. Uh, and I think I'd already kind of attached to Luke because he was, you know, uh, uh, thin and I was a little mm-hmm. thin blonde kid with a similar haircut at the time. Uh, so I gravitated toward Luke and I always admired Han 
but almost in that James Bond, like, wouldn't it be great mm. to be that way? I can't quite be that way. And uh, my brother and I really divided things as we grew up. And I was Luke and he was Han. Mm. Gotcha. And he was my older brother, you know, who was, you know, cooler yeah. and knew w- more worldly. So I always loved Han, but I always had this just little bit of distance of, oh, it'd be so cool to be Han. I could probably be Luke. I could probably use the Force and save the galaxy. But there's that part of me of like, but couldn't I be the dashing rogue? Mm. I, mm. I'm right there with you. I, I think though know, you, you ended up, and, and it seems from the beginning, we're more drawn to, to Luke. I looked at Luke as, well, I'm kind of that guy. I'm kind of him. I'm staring off at the sunsets, wanting more. I, I want to be Han. So I, I just yeah. was drawn in to, to Han a little bit. Indiana Jones is my favorite cinematic character. Indiana Jones and Han Solo are not only just because they're Harrison Ford, they're, they're very similar. They have yeah. some similarities for sure. Faults and all, they're similar. So uh, I just was always kind of, drawn to that and stayed with it and and was all on board the cool train that Han was cool and that ship was cool his buddy was cool and for me just this you know suburban straight kid living the American dream he got the princess at the end and it just was all the things that again but going deep that I thought I couldn't get yeah and, and you're supposed to. That's what made you, yeah. you know, mm. like he, he's funny and charming and Harrison Ford practically invented the flawed action hero who yep. makes mistakes and feels pain. So he was more human, but he's still within that archetype of man's yep. man. You're right. absolutely, absolutely right. I mean, Indiana Jones fails more than any other hero probably <laughs> in the world. You're absolutely right. And and it was that. And, and uh, you know, not to dig too deep, too. Sometimes Hans just a cool character. I like his pants, his vest, and his blast and his ship. And that's part of it, too, as well. Um, but yeah, going deep. The, that was there from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. That struggle, that looking in the mirror, that's so well put. You yeah. Have, you've probably written a nice essay about it. I, I can't remember if I have about that one, but I'll get on it. <laughs> get on that right away. Uh, but speaking of Chewbacca, I mean, he is... I've only met one person in my life who doesn't like Chewbacca. <gasps> what? There's one person? One Let's person. get our pitchforks. Yes. Uh, she's local, we can go get her. Um, <laughs> and I was stunned. But her point was, all he is is loyal. What is that? He's just loyal. It's, there's no character to him. He just follows Han around. What? And I'm like, yeah, because he's Chewbacca. <laughs> but Chewie is based on a dog, literally. Yeah. Uh, the, the image of uh, the dog Indiana, I believe, right? Yeah. Uh, George's dog riding in the front seat of his car. So there is some connection. Most people are dog people. I've met a few people who hate dogs, and I question them just as well. <laughs> Uh, Chewie is kind of that loyal pet, though he's not a pet. He's this whole creature and character, Jen. But mm-hmm. is there some kind of base level connection there, too? Oh, that to me is is everything, is that he is this intelligent being who is loyal, but also has strong opinions as well. And he does, he mm-hmm. does question Han, even though we don't understand. Him, we can tell by Han's reaction to him, right. and he does, you know, kind of give his quips and offer his opinion when it's not always necessarily appreciated. And so, yeah, I think that he's a he's a fantastic character, and for me, he is Star Wars. Mm. I talked about this mm. in my Happy Beeps episode. Without Chewie as a child watching Star Wars, it would have been exciting to see all these creatures, especially in Jabba's palace. But for me, the idea that this hero was this Wookie mm. was so like 
fantastical and and just wonderful as a child. It was the true make-believe where I was like, I want a Wookiee. I really <laughs> want a Wookiee. I wish I could talk to my dog. Mm. I wish I could rely on my dog to have my back. Well, he does, unfortunately, nowadays yeah. a little bit too much. But, yeah. you know. Yeah. A lot of I mean, I talk to dogs. They just don't answer. <laughs> right. But Chewie does, and that's a great point. Laugh it up, Fuzzball, is right. the reaction. Uh, that, you know, oh, you're cold for Force Awakens. Yeah, right. Chewie's got opinions, Joseph. Oh, yeah, and I think that's one of the things that makes him great is like he is a dog plus uh you know i I had mostly yippy dogs but when i was really young we had a a bigger dog that was like that big kind loving dog who always wanted to be with you and Mm. and run around like and chewy felt like that like that loyalty but then it was like hey what if every once in a while pumpkin kind of made a cutting remark that was a little bit too true yeah (laughs) and like well yeah you say that but you're full of crap you know it's, it's, it's a dog who talks back and it's probably right yeah Love yeah it. i think that's most, so great most animals are right there so we've set the stage for what our reactions and uh, the, the the pull of these characters is but let's talk about what is their most quintessential moments now mm. we will say joseph this this week you and i sat down for for a han solo star wars ranked that's right prior to seeing solo so this is all you know episodes uh, one through seven yeah of uh, of uh, well i guess one, two, and three. Thankfully, Han didn't show up. Maybe we're supposed to be <laughs> that we know three. of yet. Four, five, six, and seven Han Solo moments, uh, and and some more stuff there. Uh, but let's try to narrow it down to what are the most quintessential moments of these characters, the ones that stand up, uh, stand through the test of time. Jennifer, uh, for me, I would say it's the "I love you, I know." That line is such a quintessential Han moment, and it came from Harrison Ford's mm. improv improvisation of the scene, and that to me just sums up who he is and why why I grew to love him um, that he <laughs> not mm-hmm. I love you too <laughs> <laughs> I know yeah oh my gosh I've loved you since the sun set down on my life <laughs> I am, yes. right. yeah yes. Han starts his strange uh, sonnet yes yeah. Rylothian sonnet yeah. yeah I love that well moment. I mean it is it is an old timer for a reason yeah. it is really true yeah I feel like it is completed by that's such a confident line, but it is also kind of kind to her. It's reassuring Mm -hmm. of like, you don't need to worry, I know. But then immediately uh, uh, that look of apprehension of like, I have no idea what's going to happen to me when I get put in this pit. So, you know, there's so much to balance the cocky. That's a great choice. Um, I think for me, the quintessential moment has to be, uh, I know what I'm doing to Chewie. With and again, Chewie saying, "You don't know what you're <laughs> you doing. I know. What, I know what I'm doing." Smash cut to Yahoo! Yeah. You know that that is the quintessential yeah. moment. That is always going to be the push pull between Han. Like I should run away. I should take care of myself. Yeah. Nah, I'll, I'll actually feel better if I engage and I'm a part yeah. of the galaxy, a part of my friends. Mm. I, I love that moment. There, there's so many to choose from. Yeah, obviously, it's endless. That's why we did an episode that's coming up there. One that keeps going, you know, and it doesn't necessarily always rank on number ones to two if you break it down by list, but I absolutely am drawn to An Empire Strikes Back. The door opens, Vader's there, Han starts shooting. Uh, literally because Han shoots first. Yeah, 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 we get that joke, but... It's something about his character. He knows this is the big, biggest baddie in the land, uh, at least in, from that perspective at that time. He's going to shoot. He's going to defend his friends. He's not going to think. He's going to do. And it's not always going to work out. Nope. And that is the key core of Han. It's not always going to work <laughs> out. But he's going to try. He's going to do it. Uh, he is a, a first responder to that scene. And it's just something to me that he, nope, nope, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to do something and, and, and help people. It's all for the, it's not just the glory of a shootout with Vader. 
we need we need to get out of the situation. I'm gonna do so. I, I just love that moment. Yeah, mm. this is just inst- his immediate instinct. He doesn't take in the situation and then try to get a shot off. It's just doors open, Darth Vader, bam, bam, bam. It, it, yeah, and it's no, there's no James Bondy, and, and I love Bond movies, but there's no like uh, Vader, I'm gonna shoot you, and it's just, it's just like boom, yeah, boom. Right. Uh, I love that there. So, but Chewbacca, Oof, the push is- and pull of Chewbacca and Han is there's a lot of stuff there. But what is what is Chewie's uh, little moment? Oh my gosh, there's so many. I I can't I can't think of one at the moment. Joseph, you go. Yeah. So this is <laughs> hard because there are so many great, just fun little moments. But I think the one that really shows his character that shows he is not just a loyal pet mm-hmm. is uh, stealing the ATSD. Oh yeah, yeah, in Return yeah. of the Jedi, oh, yeah. I could do without the Tarzan yodel. Yep, which again, we've talked about age differences. People were mad in 1983 about that Tarzan yodel. Yeah, it's too wacky. Uh, but uh, that is one of my old friends from Minneapolis pointed out. It's like you know who really saved the galaxy, Chewie, because he turned the tide of the battle. He got the shield down without him. Yay! Darth Vader turns back to the light, and uh, <laughs> nothing yeah. else happens. You're absolutely uh, right. yeah. Mm. So, and I think it shows strategy. Mm-hmm. It shows understanding that the Ewoks are not to be underestimated. Uh, it shows technical prowess. He's not yeah. just this big dolt. He knows tech. Mm. You know, there's there's so much going on there. Yeah, I, I, you're absolutely right. It's layered. Uh, for me, it is Empire Strikes Back. I don't know. It must be something about the Empire Strikes Back movie and uh, these two characters. But it is when he goes back and saves 3PO, but this sweet kind of this tender moment when he tries to rebuild him. Yeah. Oh, not correctly, yeah. <laughs> but Chewie knows, like, you know, this isn't just some droid. Again, knowing mm. he's recognizing everybody, yeah. maybe because he's been enslaved, his people have been enslaved, he's yeah. been looked at as the nothing but a, just a loyal pet, and here he is, he's going to take the time to rebuild uh, uh, 3PO. And rescue him in the first yeah. place, right? Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. Take it upon himself to go looking for him. Fight Ugnox. <laughs> Ugnox <laughs> in the worst game of keep away ever. I'm going to go to Empire Strikes Back too, and it's a totally different moment where he chokes Lando. Uh, oh, yeah. And and I think that in that moment, like, you know, we hear that he's, he's aggressive. We kind of see him doing aggressive things, but to me, he was always such a sweet character, and then see him go after Lando like that because he is angry at Han, and he's, he's also being protective of Leia in that moment of, as well and kind of being like her muscle mm-hmm. and that was a moment where I was like oh wow he really could rip off someone's arm like if he really wanted oh, to yeah. you know yeah. Um, yeah I love that moment Chewie uh, you know Chewie has more characteristics than being loyal I mean this is what you're saying Joseph yeah. this, this is a layered moment yeah it's a fun little Tarzan yodel uh <laughs> Which, as a kid at seven, I was like, that's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> By 10, I was like, what? What? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Chewie, Chewie is, that's one of the joys of Star Wars, is Lucas really had this lesson of, yes, here's what you think, but here's what really is going on, 12-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> look, to, look to everything. Yeah. Look to these little furry fuzzballs and the tall ones. And, and that's what I think Chewie represents. Yeah, don't judge them too quickly. And I, I just give a general shout out to Chewie in The Last Jedi. I yeah. think we, you know, I, I can't wait to see Solo, uh, to mm-hmm. see, you know, what, what surprises we have. But there's some great stuff in the clips, in the trailers. But I think we're in a, a, a Chewie renaissance, a, a Chewie-sance. Yeah. Uh, because <laughs> he has so much character in The Last Jedi. Yeah. And as people point out, he's like the best stepdad to Rey of like, yeah. All right, you want to go see your boyfriend who killed my best friend? If you think that's best, I'll, I'll drop you off. <laughs> yeah. It's such a great meme because it's so true. It, yeah, no, there's a lot to Chewie in The Last Jedi and uh, The Force Awakens that I, that I love. I mean, The Force Awakens, 
Han's death, which didn't have a, a, as huge an impact on me my first couple of viewings, but it was Chewie's reaction, both the anger and the sad yeah. that got me. Yeah. That moment where he's just kind of got his head down, uh, that was oof, that was my reaction, too, yeah. to the character, the history of the character. And blasting Kylo Ren right in the abdomen. I mean, just <laughs> talk about reacting. I mean, he's... Yeah. That scream, that scream. Yeah. Uh, when he sees Han die, yes. it's, it's powerful. Yeah, that Lando moment, the shooting Kylo moment, that is not blind loyalty. That is, this is part of my culture and I made a choice and I've shared a huge chunk of my life with this man mm-hmm. and I protect him and it's meaningful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not just a mindless dog. Right. Yeah. And I love in The Force Awakens when he's telling his, his story to the to the medic. <laughs> Dr. Colonia? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he, she's like, oh, yes, you're very brave. <laughs> that must have been so scary. So scary. I love that. So there you go. Chewie, is he just a loyal? Well, yeah, he's loyal, but he's not just a loyal pet. He is his own character who's done some great key things in the galaxy there. But let's move back to Han Solo here. And here's a question. It's been running around my brain there because I love the decisions that they made in the storytelling. But I thought, interesting enough, it's gotten lost in the shuffle of the Last Jedi debate and everything like that. But it's an interesting take on heroes. Uh, a lot of focus in Force Awakens, and particularly in Last Jedi, was Luke running away. Now, that's a quotation marks around the phrase running away. Yeah. I think there's a lot of reasons there. Uh, a lot of failure, a lot of doubt, all those things that we love about it here at Force Center. You might not connect to that, but, uh, you know, Luke vanished, as the the the, uh, the crawl says. But in a way, Han did as well. Yeah. yeah. When Episode Seven finds Han and Chewie, they're smugglers. They're, they've got hauling Rathtars on the Irvana, and they are not the heroes that we last left them. And it was an interesting choice to me. So... It says a lot, and the last shot, that book, the beginning of the book particularly lays this down a lot for me, where it's like you saw the early strugglings of Han. So I'm fascinated by this flawed hero, Joseph. There. Yeah. And I find it interesting that that got somewhat lost in the shuffle. Yeah, you mean just in the larger in the, discussion in the larger of the, discussion the of, sequel trilogy? Yeah, yeah, of Luke and everything. Mm. Yeah, and I think those lines between Han and Leia, like, you know, I, we both went back to what we know the best. Yeah. Um, but to me, I love that he went back to being a, a little bit of a scoundrel, of a smuggler, of a, hey, I'm just trying to get by in the galaxy, but mm-hmm. probably without, like, obviously the adventure fun of his youth because he knows what this life is, and it's kind of a hard-knock life. I almost see it as an admission of failure. Last Shot really bring, builds mm-hmm. up um, that he doesn't know how to be a, uh, not a smuggler, not a warrior. Mm-hmm. Uh, we learn from Bloodline that he settles into racing and training racers so you can still kind of get that need for speed and that's kind of fun but everything everything about this character that's been built up is the hardest thing for him is to connect Mm -hmm. and he failed at it Mm -hmm. yeah so it almost just seems like screw it it almost feels like falling off the wagon in a way right 100 percent. like this is what i got and i don't even have the falcon so i can't even really do it in style nirvana's a big clunky you know, and I know people feel like, well, that's sad, but uh, it's to me, it's sad so that he can come back for this right. amazing uh, second, uh, third act in life hero's journey where he yeah. so comes back to himself to being the hero, to connecting to, you know, the galaxy is depending on us, you know, yeah. so he goes low so he can go high in Force Awakens. It, it's an interesting, not entirely intentional, but you, you, you talk about falling off the wagon. It's an interesting comment of, of struggles that go through you all through your life. Yeah. I, I struggle with depression that's known, right? Blah, blah, blah. I've talked about it. But it's serious. It's deep. And it's always a battle. 
Yeah. It's always going to be a battle. So I see what I can be, and I see what my instincts want to take me and pull me down to. And I look at Han, and here he is. He is the general who upsaved the galaxy. But the he been stepping on Lego bricks or cami <laughs> bricks or whatever they called them, which was a funny moment. It, it it created this. It it pulled this struggle even longer through his life, and and I love I love a realistic take on it. Yeah, uh, Jennifer. Exactly. It was a realistic take, and at first, when I when I saw where he was in the Force Awakens, I was like, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. But I said, no, this is real. You don't ju- just because you change does it. Some people, well, mm-hmm. like you're talking about with alcoholism or or drug addiction or what depression, whatever it is, is that you're always going to be struggling with it, and it's 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 always going to be that instinct to pull you back. And he got pulled back. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love so much about the last shot. I'm still finishing it, Mm -hmm. but I love that it layers in and we really get in his mind frame to understand how he got to the place that we see him in the force awakens. Um, I thought it was a brilliant choice. Yeah. And the, the, what he says to Maz of like, uh, Leia doesn't want to see me, mm. you know, and you mm-hmm. know, that's not true. You know, Leia probably would have been happy if he, he was like, great resistance. Great. I'll, uh, where are the thermal detonators? I, I'll, yeah. I'm all in. I'll get my blaster out and Chewie and I will be part of the, you know, and he just clearly that ongoing battle. He couldn't do it. It's yeah. like in return of the Jedi where he makes the, the, uh, grunt noise that I talk about so much. Uh, <laughs> and then stops and turns back and he just couldn't be the yes. hero in that moment. He couldn't stop and turn back and come to Leia. That is, oof, that is a great little moment. And yeah. I know it's one of your favorite moments. Uh, that is the core of Han right there, right? Yeah. He uh, wants to be carrying potential boyfriend, husband to, to Leia. Damn, I'm going to leave and go out. Get a drink. Me yeah. and Chewie are going to go do some <laughs> smuggling. But he turns around, and that's the constant battle with yeah. Han. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that there. Han does die, though, in The Force Awakens. Whether we liked it or not, whether we didn't, uh, you know, I still wish I could have seen the big three on screen once, uh, though I love all the story decisions. I understand wanting that, but Han does die. But this was nothing new to Star Wars fans, the idea of Han Solo dying. In fact, a lot of us, when we saw that Harrison Ford signed on for Episode 7, we went, ah, oh, he's coming back to give him a proper <laughs> Viking funeral. Right. Yeah. There's no way. This comes from the uh, urban legends and sometimes just plain facts that Lawrence Kasdan and Harrison Ford thought Han Solo should be the one to go in episode six, often citing he had nothing to lose. That's kind of from Harrison. Uh, Lawrence Kasdan always says in interviews, you know, I told Han was the one to go. There needed to be a cost for this rebellion. It didn't happen. Lucas kind of, uh, you know, overrode that kind of line of thinking. And I'll tell you what, I'm thankful for it from because mm-hmm. uh, you know, it gets us Harrison Ford coming back. But... Let's really take a moment. Would that have been and could it have been, Joseph, the right choice? Yeah, I mean, I think it, they could have found a way to make it work, certainly, and it would have changed everything. But I think that this is one of those times where I side with old Lucas. And I, I think Gary Kurtz, I could be wrong. I mm-hmm. believe Gary Kurtz has quotes about, like, thinking that Lucas was trying to keep things too nice right. for action figures because who wants to buy an action figure of a character who died? Well, me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> always. Uh, death is a part of Star Wars and people, yeah. people deal with that. But I think ultimately he wanted to tell this really traditional three-act structure of surprise uh, uh, victory as you as all these characters come into their own. Then they get hammered down in the second act and in the third act they're truly triumphant yeah and i think it's this it goes deep uh one of the uh, alleged origin words of comedy is comos meaning celebration Mm. that that there's significance to stories that end with celebration because it's a part of the 
the arc of storytelling and the arc of our lives where you go through a challenge, you come out victorious. And then as we're getting to, to enjoying the sequel trilogy, the challenge comes back around and you have to fight again. And I think without that happy ending of all of them standing there together with the Ewoks, you, you don't get that really beautiful mythic tale. Mm. You know, you get maybe a more realistic tale of one of our big heroes sacrificed to, mm. to save. But I, I think the realistic tale now is happening in the sequel trilogy and the original trilogy is a little bit more of the fantasy. It's the right choice based everything you're saying. You just really touched on something at the end that made me thought, all right, so in the new trilogy, we're Luke, Han, potentially Leia passing on. But imagine if Poe Dameron died in The Last Jedi. Yeah. It wouldn't seem like the right decision. This is what the story is based around. And as real as we want some of these movies and modern, modern film audiences want a lot of realism, I, I think, and then Last Jedi comes out and makes me question that. But <laughs> I think looking back, I've always been intrigued by the idea of Han dying. But looking back, Jennifer, I think Joseph's right. This was modern myth storytelling and George wanted and needed that happy ending. Yeah, absolutely. And it reminds me of the serials. It was a classic cliffhanger ending that you had where is, is Han going to live? Is he going to die? What's going to happen? And I believe, I don't know if this is a rumor where like they left it open just in case, you know, Harrison Ford wasn't quite sure if he was going to come back at the end of empire. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We, we talked about with Lando that Lando was set up to be yeah. the new Han. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, but then we get these wonderful moments with Han and Leia in, in Return of the Jedi that we would have never had if Han had died. First of all, that Leia mm-hmm. is trying to rescue Han. What a, That was a fantastic thing to see as a child. And then the moment where, you know, Han has kind of went on and accepted it, but he's like, look, you know, I understand when, when Luke comes back. You know, yeah. It's this wonderful, <laughs> vulnerable moment that we got with Han, and we see a true change in him that we would have never gotten if he had been killed off. So yeah. I think it just made, and plus, I mean, having our heroes all live on. Yeah. I mean, that's a really that. good point, Jennifer, because I think what we've been talking a lot with Han is his challenge is to open and be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. His challenge is not to be brave and take in insane risk. He does that seven times before breakfast. Right. Mm-hmm. So if he had to be like, I'm going to take the only way to take down the Death Star is to fly a ship into the core and blow it up. That's the only way. They'd be like, yeah, that's kind of a Han thing to do. Right. right. It's not a challenge to the character. Mm-hmm. Staying alive and being vulnerable is the challenge. Exactly. Yeah. So well put. So well put. That's a defense mechanism. I don't care if I die. I'm going to jump into the fire, but whatever. Cool. Sit down and have lunch with your kid. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the, that, the, I think the, the answer, George was right in the end. Yeah. George was right. Mm-hmm. George is always right. However, <laughs> the decision was made to kill him in episode seven. The powerful moment, at least for the character of Kylo Ren and, well, definitely for the character of Han, unfortunately. Is that, Joseph, the right decision? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, I think that the sequel trilogy, as it's developing, we'll see what happens in episode nine, is so much about passing the torch mm-hmm. uh, that we do need to see some actual torch passing. I mm-hmm. agree. There's a part of me that's like, oh, could you reshuffle it so we could have seen our heroes together one more time? Mm-hmm. But I do feel like they, they can't stay around forever uh, because I feel like the, the story of the sequels is the battle goes on and you pass the torch. Yeah. And we need to see some of that torch passing. It, it, torch passing is a, is a legitimate, important thing inside and out of the entertainment world, yeah. inside the wrestling world, baseball world, the whatever world you're into, including your own life. Yeah. At some point, you you if you have children, you're almost like literally passing the torch, Jennifer. Yeah. So I, I 
agree with Joseph, like, oh, could we have just held on? Uh, now, if, they didn't know what was going to happen with Carrie, unfortunately. Yeah. We get that. But what happens if you have all three characters going into episode nine and all three die in episode <laughs> nine? How horrible would that be? Yeah. Dish out the heartbreak, Jennifer, one piece at a time. Yeah, and it was important for Kylo Ren's character. At least when I was watching the film, you know, we all kind of chuckled when he took off his helmet. Yeah. And so, you know, he seems like this kind of angsty teen. And then when he kills his dad, you're like, oh, okay. This guy is, he is sicko. He is, he is troubled. He is, he is a true villain. And so that was, that was an essential moment uh, Mm -hmm. to have Han Solo die. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and it's deep because again, I remember, and you were on Jedi Alliance at the time, Joseph, and, and it was like, I was you know, the Han death. Like I, the act, the fine, the fact that he died wasn't necessarily the problem yeah. with me. I just, I didn't cut I was like, I didn't have, I didn't cry. I didn't cry when Han died. I, it was too predictable for me. Right. And, and I really liked, and, and I credit you with really saying, well, here's the moment was Han going back when he ran away earlier. He ran yeah. away from Kylo Ren earlier and Leia asked him to go back. And that's the hardest thing for Han to do. Yeah. Mm. Blowing up, landing through with light speed on Starkiller Base. That's and fun for Han. It's a fun adventure. Thermal detonators, like you said. Me and Chewie, my friend here, has got some explosive. That's Han every day. Yeah. Going back, yelling Ben, and 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 trying to save his son for him, for his son, for his wife. That That is the biggest challenge for Han. It cost him his life, meaning to me, and that, oh, that's a powerful story moment. Yeah. yeah. Even as, as a fan in the theater, I didn't cry. Yeah. Uh, you know, other people did, though. Uh, yeah, I think as a story moment, it still might, that heroic moment might still have... You know, mm-hmm. uh, impact it might be that you know this it, that is the thing that breaks Kylo and Kylo thinks like uh, if I kill the past and like I I, yeah. I can't I shouldn't have I remember that kind touch of my father on my cheek after I killed him absolutely and that is like I I can never fully get rid of my light because mm-hmm. of that moment I I knew going in that Han would die. Yeah. It was just obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, partially because <laughs> of the meta world of Harrison Ford. Like smile on Harrison's face during the press junkets. Like, Why is he so happy? Oh, because he finally got his way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's not coming back. Yeah. I, but I was so engrossed in it, I didn't remember until he mm. split up with Chewie. And even then, yeah. when that lightsaber, I jolted in my seat. And mm-hmm. this goes back to like what these characters meant to me. I didn't think about it this way, but I felt like my brother just died. Yeah. Like to because to me, part of my relationship with my brother was he he's older, he's he's the Han. Yeah. You know, and I think for a lot of people they have all these different attachments to Han that give it even more meta power than just a character. Right. Right. And and Luke, let's not forget, Jennifer, Luke in, in Last Jedi doesn't just say to Kylo, Oh, I'm still gonna be around. He talks about your father's still there too. Right. So you're right. Yeah, and Joseph. But Jennifer, uh, you know, Han the death of Han can come back to to really affect Kylo. Oh, and I and I hope it does. I would imagine that it would in real life and mm-hmm. so yeah, let's let's see. Uh let's let's see some flashbacks. I'm open to some flashbacks. Oh yeah. Why oh, not? Little baby Kylo and yeah. <laughs> Uncle <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh, that is a great pitch for episode nine. <laughs> the flashbacks of Ren. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Oh, boy. So we've talked about the deep stuff. We talked about what they mean, uh, the attitudes, the quintessential moments. But part of the fun of Star Wars is the looks, the outfits. What are they wearing? And, well, Han, he's got one of the most iconic looks, but he does have some different looks. So we're going to dive into that. Joseph, what is your favorite Han Solo? This is look? an easy one. It's yeah? the, the Bespin jacket. I, I yeah. call it Bespin because that's what the action figure was. Uh, but, yeah, yeah his, his Empire Strikes Back jacket. 
I mean, vests are great and everything, and Han Solo can pull them off <laughs> better than almost anyone. But that jacket is just the cut of it. It's it so is. damn cool. It's it's it's. I think one of the early Jedi lines episodes we did the duel of the fates. Yeah, vest versus jacket. And I think jacket won, which <gasps> really? might surprise people, Jennifer. Oh no, I'm a vest person all the way. <laughs> all the way. <laughs> all the way. The and the the pants with the Corellian yeah. blood stripes on the side. That is to me is iconic. Mm-hmm. You can put on a vest and suddenly feel like Han Solo. Yeah, you know that that's my look. I though I'll tell you what. Force Awakens, Han, with the rustled gray hair and oh. a faded jacket. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty great. There's, as I get older, I'm like, nah, that looks, that looks comfortable. <laughs> I think I might want to do yeah, A new jacket. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what? Chewie's looks, you might not think it if you're a casual viewer of Star Wars. Chewie's looks are, are varied as well. Yes. So I think we have some choices for Chewie, Jennifer. I love Jedi. He looks a little bit more tousled with his hair. But <laughs> Absolutely. I'm also, but I'm also kind of loving this new look with Solo, where he has those goggles. Oh, yeah. Oh, right? Yeah. That's a pretty cool look. A little yeah. bit of a different bandolier, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. double bandolier. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. very cool. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I like uh, Bangs Chewie in yeah. Return of the Jedi, where he does his hair's kind of flopping forward. It's a yeah. Wild. devil-may-care attitude about <laughs> right. that. I like in Battlefront 2, it's always one of the things with Chewie, like, how do you get more looks? Like, one of the one of the uh, unique looks you can get for him is bandaged arm from the force awakens. Really? <laughs> it's, it's not mm. that ominous. Like who are you going to fight? Chewie. Yeah. And one arm is damaged. Yeah. I, I, my answer is Jedi Chewie too. In fact, it was one of the things as, as before the days of podcasts that I used to talk with my friends. I was like, you notice how Chewie looks different in Jedi? They were like, no, nah, not really. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he looks totally different. Yeah. He's got that fresh haircut in yeah. New Hope. And yes. it ends up just as, I, I don't care. Not don't today. Know. It's like, <laughs> but it changed with the times. He's got like the poofy hair of the 80s. You know, (laughs) that's right. I like it there. It's so metal in Return of the Jedi. (laughs) So these are, well, it's the best, uh, it's the best smuggler and scoundrel in the galaxy. It's everyone's favorite loyal sidekick and co-pilot. If we could do anything with Han and Chewie, it's a Force Center fun question. Jennifer, if you could do anything with Han and Chewie, what would it be? They would, I would not to do something illegal. (laughs) <laughs> but to do it, but to be sneaky in some ways, and maybe somehow figuring out a way to get into Star Wars Celebration without having to pay. <laughs> That's so good. Sneaking in through like some way, and I, we, I don't know where we'd crash. You know, at Shu night. You and I have gotten to tougher conventions than this. <laughs> yeah, it'd yeah, be fun. great. That's <laughs> uh, so because there's this YouTuber guy. I think he's English, maybe Australian. I I know the difference between the accents, but I only watched the video late at night. I can't remember. And he has a whole series of videos where he breaks, uh, not breaks in, but he sneaks into like Disney World. Disneyland and all this stuff and I, for some reason I got on it and I was watching the other night went down, the, went down that rabbit hole so the fact that you Whoa. just mentioned it Han and Chewie would be perfect for that because right? it's it's a as you know from being a Disney cast member it's a well-oiled machine oh it's serious and yeah. uh, this guy gets it uh, the, uh, Han and Chewie that'd be good Joseph do you want to uh, break in as well no no cause <laughs> I, I'm tempted to do something illegal but that mm-hmm. could end your fun real fast yes uh, I this is a weird I want to drive around in an earth car Mm-hmm. Uh, like uh, like an old 50s uh, convertible or something that's open, yeah. but big. I want Han driving. I want Chewie messing with the radio. <laughs> and I want it to be late at night in some rural place, and I want to make Han take me to Dairy Queen. 
Wow. <laughs> it's like a Star Wars American Graffiti crossover. It is, I because it. I think Han would be a little grumpy about it. He's like, ah, I don't want to do that. I got, I got more interesting things to do. But you know in his little softy heart, he'd try a blizzard for the first time and be like, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, and Chewie gets some ice cream in his hair. But to me, like, in this is, you know, I know so many people have already seen it. Uh, this is what I want out of the movie, that feeling of sort of, uh, it's summer. It's fun. You're doing something a little dangerous. Like, he's definitely driving way too fast. He has to swerve to get out of the way of a deer that he didn't see coming because he was fighting with Chewie and it's right on the edge of danger. But there's just also something just warm and fun and familiar about it, too. Yeah. And it's going fast. Going fast. I, on, you know, what's, what's funny, <laughs> I want to go slow. I, oh. I want to go slow. <laughs> I love... A nice drink at a bar, right? Yeah. yeah. Me and my friend Owen Mugen, we, we co-host This Is Life on the Knapsack Files. We'll head downtown LA. We'll head even local here in Burbank. Just find a corner, have a nice chat in the corner there, right? That's uh, that's nice. kind of at a party. I'm Boba Fett in the corner, just giving you the nod. <laughs> but I like touching ladies' chins. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but going back to the cantina, when you first, you know, kind of run into Han and Chewie, they're just in there having a drink. And I just want to sit in a corner in a weird part of the galaxy and have a drink with Han and yeah. Chewie. Yeah. out there. This is the summer of Solo, like you said, Joseph. And this is our last official Force Center episode before Solo, a Star Wars story, is released for all of the world to see. So we have hopes, not just for the movie, but what this summer will do for Star Wars, what this will do for the character of Han Solo, Chewbacca, and the fandom in general. So you touched upon it a little bit, Joseph. But when we look back, what, what do you want to remember of the summer of Solo? I just want to remember a sense of fun. And I, I know that there will be debates. I know there will be uh, disagreements about need versus want. But I want more Star Wars stories that are just for fun because that's a huge spirit of it. I, if, if I had to, if somebody put a lightsaber to my throat and said, choose hmm. between the fate and the destiny and the Jedi and the rebellion and the, the smugglers and the bounty hunters, I'd probably choose the weighty hmm. fate and destiny. I'd probably choose the important last Jedi. But the fun, it just, it's a crazy guy with the dog co-pilot. <laughs> I want that. And I want to have that feeling. And like, I, I think I want to like specifically plan maybe with my wife like let's go get ice cream late at night or something that feels like summer that feels like being put in the back of my dad's old pickup truck yeah. truck when i lived in portland oregon and empire strikes back came out and like all right we can go to burger king to try to get the damn glasses and it just the the wind in your hair and a feeling of freedom i want that and i want that to be able to come from the different kind of storytelling that star wars can do absolutely i'm, I'm picturing you and your wife in a car with you wearing a bandolier <laughs> yeah for, yeah she's driving she's driving Jennifer? Yeah, I want it to be fun as well. I want I want to go in and not, you know, nitpick or find myself going to that place. I just want to get lost in the story. And I hope I hope that Alden Ehrenreich really shines. I think he's going to, but I just I want it to be so good, you guys, because yeah. I want for fans to be excited. I get I, the whole Last Jedi conversation has taken such a dark turn. I want us to get back to the fun of Star Wars and just have it be lighthearted. And yeah, we can have our disagreements, but at the end of the day, it's freaking Star Wars, and mm -hmm. this is what we love. And let's just have a good time. You, you're both on the mark there where my mind is, too. I was re-watching Return of the Jedi the other day for trivia studying purposes, yeah. which is sometimes not as fun as just watching it. Uh, but I had it on, and for the first time, and I, I touched upon it a little bit, a Spotlight Star Wars this week, but I want to highlight it here. For the first time in a movie that's literally been with me my almost my entire life, it really struck me that the end of this saga that changed my life 
the good guys blew up a space moon. And these little furry creatures were so happy about it, they danced and sang. <laughs> That's Star Wars. Yeah. That's what Star Wars is. And Star Wars is the throne room scene. Star Wars is son trying to kill father, trying to save father. It is the big lore. It is the war. But at the end of the day, Lucas was right. It is, it is talking to the 12-year-olds and saying, here's life, what's out in front of you? And can we have a little bit of fun? Now, he gets dark in the, in the prequels, oh, but he yeah. also better or worse wanted some fun in there too and i think that is the core of star wars and and what drew you to the moment of yub nub whether you like the celebration song or yub nub what drew you to that moment at your core as a star wars fan i want that to be taken out of the summer solo yeah. as well as well as some blaster fireburgers <laughs> for sure dangerous things so that is our our look getting set for solo look at han solo look at chewbacca last week we looked at lando these are three key characters in the star wars galaxy and we're going to know a lot more about them very soon thanks for that uh, conversation letting us have it uh, there you guys out in force center land you can uh, reach out to us later we'll tell you where and let us know your favorite memories and reactions and looks for han and chewy now as we love to do every episode we are going to audience questions that's right we have two from general social media and two from patreon our first one uh from twitter is paul wright at ps wright 80 how much do we want to see shriv from battlefront 2 in either star wars resistance or favreau's show i know i do maybe even odd cameo from other members members of inferno squad would be great jennifer uh you you have not played battlefront 2 <laughs> do you do you have you heard ken and i go on and on about shriv yes you guys <laughs> love him we love shriv yeah you, yeah you love shriv um and i i feel like it, it, they've got to pull from inferno squad at some point right yeah so i think i think that we will see this character whether it's in star wars resistance or favreau's show we're gonna get or maybe we'll see Aiden versio somewhere come on make it happen yeah you know is 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 that something that still excites you even though it sometimes feels like ugh now i gotta maybe play that video game and, and see that a little bit well i enjoy seeing you guys get happy over it so. <laughs> <laughs> i'll live vicariously through you i mean you can watch some of the cutscenes yeah. on youtube or something oh okay there is in fact a cutscene of all shriv I yeah. think. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, then I'll watch it. It's yeah. worth, it's worth a view. Okay. I yeah. love Sh- Shriv. Is absolutely one of the best new Star Wars characters of this era. Yeah, hands down. Wow. Funny action. An, an alien Adoros that you know. You're hey, Cantina guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Been around. Yeah. Um, and he is such a great character with a specific point of view and a tone and some real fun, realistic humor. Yeah. Mm. He's not just jabs and jokes he he's he's comedy comes from character at its best and he has a lot of character yeah that great perspective of you know this has to be done i wish it was me it wasn't me who had to do it but all right i'll do that great job everybody uh great voice actor dan donahue who plays him uh so yes paul Wright, you are not alone i would love to see shriv pop up in either star wars resistance or favreau's show absolutely moving on to the lore seeker at the lore seeker Going to a slightly heavier question. We always blame the Jedi for not saving Shmi from slavery, but Padme really dropped the ball. She was opposed to slavery and had a queen's resources. How hard would going back and buying one slave have been? I have some some thoughts and opinions on this, but I, I oh, want to yeah, I want to start with you, Jennifer, if I, that's okay. Yeah, I might need some counseling because when I doing our Star Wars rank mother show and I was watching that scene again, I was like, yeah, wait a minute, why why didn't she save Shmi? This is 
kind of problematic, actually. I don't know why. It's a it's a thorn in my side. Okay. I need your help. All right. Ken, do you have thoughts? Well, I really almost want to concede the floor to you. However, okay. I will say this. Uh, Queen's resources, she might have had them at one point. They don't really have them on the ship. That's why they need to go barter for the right. parts. Mm-hmm. And two, well, the blockade around her literally around her queen's resources right. made it hard. However, it's a fair question. It's a fair question. Why Qui-Gon let the will of the force step in? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, the I think that's a great answer that literally in the moment of Phantom Menace, it is a part of the plot that she doesn't have resources. Right. Uh, but I think Laura, Laura Seeker is saying going back. Mm-hmm. I think in the big picture, this is one of those fun things to chew on in the prequels because, you know, we're talking about the original trilogy as sort of fantasy. And prequels introduces lots of really hard moral topics and one of them is just like slavery what are you gonna do <laughs> let's go be heroes somewhere else yeah uh but if you kind of dig into it i think it w- actually would be really really difficult for her We've talked before about the phantom menaces dealing with real world politics with blockades and mm-hmm. you know finance uh, uh you know talking about like it's like amazon blocking out new jersey um <laughs> so i think it is actually difficult for padme because tatooine is not a part of the republic mm-hmm. She is not going to do things, especially on behalf of Naboo or with Naboo's resources, without the approval of Naboo and the Gungans and maybe even the whole Senate, the whole uh, uh, Republic. Mm -hmm. And basically what she's asking to do is engage in a thorny issue Mm -hmm. of slavery. Either she is basically going to war with the Huts and all these criminals who control this planet that is outside of the Republic... Or if she's like, I met this one slave, so I'll let all the slavery stand, but I'm going to go buy one. I think that would be a moral quandary for somebody as Mm -hmm. noble as Padme. And then even if she is buying her, she's basically putting money into the system of slavery. Oh, wow. There you (laughs) go. There you go. So I think it is a complex problem. I think it's a totally legitimate question. And I think maybe something that Lucas should have uh, looked at more closely, that both the Jedi and the whole galaxy... If you're so powerful, if you keep peace and justice, why don't you do something about slavery? Yeah. And Shmi in particular, the mother of your chosen one, super valid question. And I don't think there's any way to address it without getting down into like really true uh, one-to-one mirror of real world politics yeah. with the galaxy of Star Wars. Yeah, no clear cut answer. No, it's, it's, Lore Secret's a great question because it, it's, it's definitely something that's on people's minds, but yeah, no, no straight answer. Yeah. No, no, we, a different chance cube was needed. Exactly. Great stuff, Lore Seeker. Uh, and we'll move on to Patreon from our patron, Thomas Streeton. What other genres do you expect and would like to see in future Star Wars movies? For instance, do you think we'd ever get that romantic drama Lost Stars type story that was rumored to be in development? I think StarWarsNews.net was the source. Uh, Jennifer, what other, at this point, genres do you want to see? I've talked about horror. I think that would be fascinating, Uh, like a Walking Dead zombie-type show. Um, We will anime. (laughs) That was one that I was interested in. There we go. Thank you, Star Wars, for listening to what I want. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Yeah, I don't know. There's. I would love to see a comedy, which is what I thought Solo we were going to get, you know, with Lord and Miller. Now it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different, but that's good. Uh, there's just so many genres to tackle. Yeah, you want to be like surprised, right? Yes, absolutely. All of them. All of them. Yeah, how about you, Ken? The, the tough thing for me to get behind a specific genre movie, I, I mean, after playing Ewok Hunt, I believe horror exists in Star Wars, <laughs> is 
it still needs to be so Star Wars to me. Like, right. uh, you know, you hear uh, Solo's a Western heist film and all that kind of stuff. You hear, you know, the Lost Stars thing. And, and Star Wars is kind of a romantic, sweeping romantic drama, so that could work. But a straight-ahead horror movie, like, I'd be on board for seeing it. I, I'm speaking from my own point of view. I, I still would want to make sure... It is light on the horror and more on the Star Wars. If yes. they're doing a horror, horror movie, and that's 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 when we get this question a lot. I don't think you'll ever see a straight uh, a genre f- film uh, in the Star Wars genre, which is its own genre. I, again, Logan is a western, but yeah. Logan's also a superhero movie, and that's what I look at. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I, I think with the specific example that Thomas is asking about of the rumor of a, a adaptation of Lost Stars, I'm still big on I want them to do what uh, DC has done well and do animated movie adaptations of specific books and comic books. Yes. And I would love that if that's part of the streaming service of Lost Stars comes out one year and then the next year here's Animated Bloodline. That would be so cool. Wow. That'd be great. Um, so I'd love to see that and I think that would dip into these different genres. But, you know, the Clone Wars animated series did a great job of they had mystery arcs of who who done it it's with ahsoka's basically being kicked out of the order was a real like who actually did yeah. this crime is kind of a murder mystery uh they had the geonosian brain worms which was a little bit of the walking dead mm-hmm. in star wars so I, i'm on board with wanting all those things i horror i would love a comedy road movie i think they all uh you know just pull out these elements of star wars in uh, exaggerate what's already there into its own thing absolutely our final question comes from alden diaz Hey, Force Center team, I have a relatively simple question that can get the minds racing faster than Ben Quadraneros. What's the number one fan thing you want to see happen in Episode 9? Is it Ray with the Saber Staff? The return of Dennis Lawson as Wedge? For me personally, it's Poe Dameron jumping in the cockpit of the Falcon. You know, he's probably heard stories about Han and that glorious piece of garbage from his parents, Leia, Nine Numb, etc. And with Black One destroyed in The Last Jedi... Poe is without a ship. I'm sure he could provide some incredible cover fire while Ray duels Kylo down below. Uh, great visuals there in that question, yeah. Alden. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Ken, I'll start with you this time. What uh, What do you want to see? What's your your fans' heart desire? For specifically for Episode Nine, man, I'll tell you what it it, it is Lando Calrissian. It oh is, wow, it is Williams. Wow, in some in some way, some compass, capacity, give that character. So I know there's some real world things. Billy's, uh, you know, I know he's walking it with a cane at the premiere and of Solo and everything, but he's still good. He's still ready to go and he's still cool as ever. Yeah. Uh, if you need to sit him in a, in a chair on some kind of, you know, debate or meeting or hologram, do, do go for it. Do it. I just I, I still agree with Ryan Johnson that eh, I thought about putting them in the Canto Bite sequence. Maybe, you know, but it just wouldn't have been the best use of the character. I even think the hologram that's Maz Kanata, if it had been Lando, that would have made some sense. But yeah. I want more than that. I want it to be even more impactful. Yeah. And I'm excited that maybe episode nine, he comes in with some forces. I finally heard your call. My wow. buddy Shriv said something. I'm yeah. here. I-, I want that moment. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Uh, I, I love I'll, that. I'll, I'll go and then yeah. we'll wrap up with you, Jennifer. I want. Anakin present in some form mm. or fashion. I want mm. either a holocron, I want Anakin force ghost, but uh, I think if this is like J.J. Uh, Abrams and I believe Chris Terrio uh, said that they're thinking about this as the end of these nine movies as well as mm. the end of these of the three sequel movies, I feel like you need to feel the presence of Anakin Skywalker because that is ultimately the through line between the three movies and the sequel trilogy has done a great job about uh, it's all these young characters dealing with the ghosts of the past. Sometimes the ghosts are, are still alive when yeah. they meet them like Han and Luke and obviously Kylo haunted by the ghost of Vader. I would love to see that come to the forefront 
as Anakin. Mm, I like that. Oh, you guys are so good. I want the Porgs. I want a a Porg somewhere, you know, uh, just carry on the thing. Uh, But I would love a great moment between Maz and Chewie. A tender moment. I don't know what it is. (laughs) Leave a tender moment. I just want that. She likes that Wookiee. Yeah. Do you want them in battle together? I think we're saying bed. I was like, whoa, hey, you're not going there. (laughs) I'll say my B words faster. Yeah. Do you want them in battle? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. uh, In battle together? Sure. I like that. Okay. We'll go with that. (laughs) It's getting some weird fan fiction territory. Oh, I'm so sorry that I put that image uh, out there. Yeah, I did not. I apologize (laughs) to everyone. Those are our questions. Uh, Thank you for sending them in. All great questions as always, and we'll get to even more. Absolutely. You have a question for us you want to submit it? There's some places you want to join the conversation about Han and Chewie. Go to Twitter, which is Force Center Pod. Go to our Facebook page, Force Center Podcast. We have a website, forcecenterpod.podomatic.net. New merch is available if you want to represent us at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center and tweet us pictures of you in your merch, and we'll reshare them. Podcast is available several different spots, including iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Podomatic, and Spotify, too, as well. But over on Patreon, Joseph's where we're doing a lot of fun things. That's right. You can visit us at patreon.com slash center. Our most recent goal is unlocking commentary for The Last Jedi. That will be audio commentary for our patrons, and then we'll put up a YouTube video so you can watch us watch The Last Jedi. As we're recording this, we just tipped over into accomplishing that goal but the way of the natural way of uh, uh, patreon is that sometimes we dip down uh, so we really celebrate these goals once we get about 10 or 15 dollars solidly over the actual goal so if you've been thinking about supporting us on patreon you want to see that last jedi commentary uh go give us two dollars a month and you'll help us feel the safety of having made that goal <laughs> absolutely uh it's uh, it's gonna happen it's just a matter of when uh, we we've we've hit it but uh, like you said that's just the realities of it sometimes you go yay and then you have to go yay again <laughs> we, <laughs> exactly. we want to go yay <laughs> one final time check it out at patreon.com slash force center uh, that is it for this week but as we always do when we sign out we like to let you know where you can find our normal adventures that don't always take place in a galaxy far, far away. Jennifer? Yeah, you can see my Lando Calrissian outfit on both Twitter and Facebook at Jennifer Landa. I'm also posting a lot of Star Wars content on Instagram lately, which is also at Jennifer Landa. So many Joseph. great things. Yes. So, yeah, the Lando costume is so amazing. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can go to my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for info on shows, podcasts, comedy albums. I have a live show coming up here in Los Angeles on May 25th. There'll be some Star Wars content in particular. There will be a solo-themed uh, role-playing game that'll be playing live with a bunch of other comedy fun people. And, of course, the upcoming Schmodown Star Wars trivia, where we will try to cram so much information in our brains, and hopefully it will come out of our mouths. Absolutely. You can go to schmodownlive.com to get tickets. There's not a lot left. It's close to a sellout. June 2nd, live here in North Hollywood at the El Portal Theater. Me, Joseph, and Alex from Star Wars Explained. It's going to be a wild Fun time. Just, oof, yeah, Joseph's right. Too many facts being crammed in my head right now. <laughs> a lot of them already there. I just got to re-scramble the numbers and make sure they're right. Uh, that is that. You can follow me at Cadnapsack. That includes Twitch. That is it for this week. So for the coolest smuggler in the galaxy and his best friend for life, that is it. We'll see you next time here on Force Center. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.